Hello, Oakland A's fans. Welcome back to episode 12 of the Athletics Baseball Podcast. I hope you all had a great weekend. And today we're going to be talking about something that is really fun, that will... It should be a great episode if I can do it justice, if I can, if I can give it a good talking. So that is the subject of rebuilding. If you are a fan of sports in general, of some sports team or league, then you've probably heard the term before. My team's rebuilding. Your team's rebuilding. We need to rebuild because we suck. Today we're going to be talking about what a rebuild is, why does it happen, what happens during a rebuild and how that applies to the A's, now and in the past. And we're going to be comparing some other teams, and it should be pretty fun. So before we get right into that, I just want to remind everyone, if you have a friend that is a baseball fan or an A's fan, and they don't know about this podcast yet, let them know. If you or someone else that you know listening to this podcast is not a subscriber, then follow it, rate it, leave a review if you want to, wherever you listen. It'll help us get out there as the season's coming up. Hopefully, my, my goal is to ramp up listeners and, and enthusiasm and go into the season with a full head of steam. So that's that's my goal. And hopefully you guys can help me do it. And a quick reminder to add on to all that is if you have questions, ideas for a podcast, comments, whatever, throw them out to my email for the podcast. That's athleticsbaseballpodcast at gmail.com or leave a comment somewhere on our Instagram, which is athletics underscore baseball underscore podcast on Instagram. And let us know what you think. So, let's get right into the subject of rebuilding. Now, it happens in baseball, obviously, because we're talking about it on a baseball podcast. It happens in the NFL. It happens in basketball. It happens in pretty much every single sport out there. It's basically just when a team, for some reason, we'll get into those reasons, cannot, when when it no longer makes sense for a team to continue with what they're doing, with their current roster. So it could be because of several different reasons. It could be because you have players who are getting paid too much and they are not good, and you're paying a bunch of bad players, typically over-the-hill players, players who are on the decline of, of their skill level, their athleticism, and they're getting older, and to some rare guys, age is not, age is just a number, right? As you are supposed to be coming down on this decline, you're actually not. For the vast, vast majority of people, athletes and regular people like me and you combined, 
we all usually hit a decline physically as we get older. And it's very often for a player who deserved their contract when they originally got it, as they get older, uh, typically 34 plus, they start not being worth that contract anymore. And paying someone maybe, let's say, $20 million a year who is just as good as a replacement-level player, as in just as good as any guy you could get for maybe $5 million in the offseason. You know, no trades, nothing, just they're a free agent, here's $5 million bucks, and you've got that player. You're giving them $20 million. It doesn't matter whether you're a rich team or a poor team that's going to hurt you. Because if you're a poor team, then that $20 million is supposed to do a lot of work for you. You're supposed to be finding bargains and things like that. If you're a rich team, that $20 million might be putting you over the luxury tax threshold and limiting what you can spend on other players in that way and potentially hurting your future because you might have to dig into your pockets a little bit and leverage your future in order to pay for now. Another way that it could impact you is if you have a player who is getting a large contract and they are worth it, they are living up to that contract, but it's eating up too much of your total potential salary to actually allow you to put other quality players around them. Baseball is a team sport more than most other sports out there, way more than basketball, which is probably the least team sport of team sports that are out there. In other words, a star, star player can drastically turn around a team even without adding in other pieces to help them out. And football, NFL, is definitely more of a star-focused sport compared to baseball as well, where one big player in the right position can have a huge impact on your team. And the most obvious thing is, of course, quarterback. If you have a great quarterback, then they can sort of drag your team sometimes forward when it would make a huge negative difference if you didn't have that quarterback on that team. And baseball, in contrast, the pitcher is super important. But the pitcher is not just one pitcher. It's maybe three pitchers per game, maybe even four. You know, if you get a if you get your starting pitcher to go five innings, which is typically considered fine these days, then you still have four innings to make up at least. And you would be lucky if you could get two innings out of one of your relievers and then two innings out of another of your reliever and you've you have three pitchers in a game, but you're probably not gonna have two relievers both go two innings and perform well all the time. That's a lot to ask for. So you're probably using four relievers, or uh, three relievers and, and a starting pitcher for four pitchers. And that is four people for one position. 
Then you've got the catcher, who is just as important on defense as offense. And then you've got all the other guys who play defense where their defense is also important. And then you've got the designated hitter filling in for the pitcher on the offense side. You have... It takes so many so many players to make a team work in baseball. And if you have a player who every single time is guaranteeing you an out when they're at bat, then your entire team is going to suffer because of that one hole. And if you have one star player who hits, uh, let's say, a 350 batting average with a 500 slugging and a 450 on base, right? Let's just say this guy is uh, essentially the modern equivalent of Babe Ruth or name, pick your pick your legendary player and just fill in the blank there, right? This guy's winning the Triple Crown every year and doing things that is, it's just unprecedented. Oh my god, I've never seen someone in this modern age hitting the ball with, so well with power, high average. Well, guess what? Having that guy on your team for $30 million a year, $40 million a year, whatever it costs, it does not outweigh the detraction, the the bad side of having the guy on your team who strikes out every time. It doesn't because you can you can guarantee that that guy who strikes out all the time, he's not going to walk. You can just throw him garbage that he's going to whiff. Make him make him pop it up. You you know this guy isn't going to do anything. It doesn't matter. He's slow, he doesn't have any power, he can't even make contact. And if your whole lineup is a bunch of guys like that, who are just below average players, then having the one star doesn't really matter. It's a team sport more than any other sport out there. That's what I think. And it just means that when you have that star player, even if they really are that star player, even if they're really hitting a 350 average with a 450 on base and a, a let's say a 600 slugging, you know, for over a thousand OPS, that's that's a serious, serious batter right there. Well, doesn't matter how good they are. You've got eight other people who need to bat. You've got eight people playing defense around the field, and then you've got a pitcher where defense starts with him, with with the throw, with the pitch across the plate. So, if you're paying one player. $40 million a year, and you have a total budget of $80 million a year that you can or are willing to spend, then you're making a big mistake by getting that guy who is the best player in baseball for that much money when you could use that money to upgrade like six other positions. You know, six other positions with a slight upgrade on the whole, on the aggregate, is going to be much, much more impactful to your team. And that includes, you know, whether it's defense or pitching or batting or 
skill as a catcher behind the plate, uh, making making calls and and reading the batters and things like that. If you're spending that forty million dollars to improve everywhere, you will probably improve across your whole team. And so that's another example of maybe hey we need to do a rebuild because we have a garbage team built up around one amazing player and not to throw too many rocks inside of our glass house as A's fans but sorry I have to mention the gigantic elephant in the room pun not intended Mike Trout and now Shohei Otani of course on the Angels but traditionally Mike Trout it's been the big conversation piece around the league by both fans and commentators and 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 others where it, you know you have one of the best players in the game these days and now two of the best players and a team around them that is just not up to the task and it's just a great but sad example of a team that's spending money on one player where they would probably be a better team as a whole if they didn't have that player and they spread that money around over three or four different guys to get upgrades in different spots. I mean, I will say that the Angels have some other problems, like for years their pitching was just not good, and their batting and their fielding was actually not bad. And then once their pitching got good and they spent on all these other guys, then some of the guys they spent on were not performing up to expectations, which is the first example of ineffectually spending money that we mentioned. And then you had injury problems, and that has nothing to do with a rebuild. A a player getting injured, it happens. So that's neither here nor there. But the Angels are just an example of a team that spent a ton of money to get the big-name player in and keep them around, and then after they had that player, they did not have the guys around that player, Mike Trout, to create the team that would succeed. And then they tried to get those players, and then it still didn't work. But that's just an example. So then you've got another example of why a team needs to rebuild. And this is... So, all right, there's two more, I think, that I can think of off the top of my head. We'll start with this one, which is you went for it hardcore to go for the World Series to try and to try and take it home for your team and that meant that you spent a little bit too much money as a whole and maybe it was the right decision maybe it worked out and you won the World Series maybe it didn't but either way you spent too much you leveraged your future Maybe it means going over the luxury tax threshold. Maybe it means you went over your budget if you're a lower budget team. But typically we think of it 
in the higher budget teams like the Yankees. They spent too long over the luxury tax threshold and the penalty is increasing and they can't keep it up anymore. So they have to bust it down eventually, get it under the cap so they can reset it. And that means doing a rebuild. The and that it's this it's similar for teams that are lower budget as well. If you do exceed your budget for a period of time, then it might be part of the plan or it might be necessity to drop back down below your budget threshold so that you can sort of recoup some of the losses that you that you took in trying to push and you spent more money than you actually had and you went into debt trying to take this team further and then maybe you have to spend a year or two getting a little bit of that money back before you start going for it again and then the last way to that the last thing that could cause you to need a rebuild that I can think of let me know if you think of any more by the way send it to the email but the last thing that I can think of is if you are a team like the A's or a lot of other teams because it's not just the A's teams in the NFL do it teams in the NBA do it teams in the MLB do it too. A lot of teams, they do exactly what the A's do. And what is that? It is where you have players that you cannot afford. They come up through your minor league agency and and maybe maybe you say, well, we can't afford them or the other team that I'm hypothetically talking about, the the Guardians, the Cleveland Guardians or the Tampa Bay Rays, you know, maybe they can afford, you think, or or whatever. I'm not making that argument right now that they can or they can't. All I'm going to say is they're not affording them for one reason or the other. So whether you think they should or not doesn't matter because they're not going to afford them. They're not going to pay them. They have, for example, the A's, the recent year. This is this is the reason the A's are rebuilding, by the way, if you didn't pick that up already. They're rebuilding because they had a team of players that were excellent, and they were not going to pay all of these guys what they would be worth on the free market. Because a team like the Yankees can outbid the A's. A team like the Dodgers can outbid the A's. Now a team like the Mets can outbid the A's or the Padres. And maybe you think that we should have kept them and made them an offer anyways. But if we will get outbid, then the player will take the other team's offer. They might... They might, if they have a soft spot for the A's, which is an if, they might take the A's offer if it's about the same or the same over another team out of team loyalty, but it has to be the same. If it's not similar, then they're not going to take it. Then they're not going to take it. They're just not. You know, no, no player and no player's agent, the 
agent will fire the player as opposed to the player firing the agent if the player is going to leave 5 or $10 million a year on the table to go play somewhere that's not happening. So you've got you've got a situation where if you already know you are not going to, even if you wanted to, be able to keep that player there because there's no way you could match their offer. Like, let's say Matt Olson went into free agency. Uh, let's say we kept him until I think his he would be a free agent this offseason, right? Uh, right before this coming season. What do you think he would command on the free market this offseason? And, and the price for these players this offseason has been really high, too. Higher than typical. So, what do you think he'd get? $25 million a year? Do you think the A's are, are paying Matt Olson $25 million a year to be their first baseman? Not, whether, not do you want them to pay him $25 million a year to be the first baseman. Will they do it? And if the answer is no, if the answer is no, the A's cannot pay him as much as other teams to keep him on the A's long term, then when he leaves, the A's get nothing. Nothing. And they have a horrible farm system, probably the worst in baseball, and no high-quality players in the field at the MLB level. They, they're not there. So it's not just the A's that do this. I already said Cleveland, Tampa, they do this. The Marlins do this. Every, every team does this. The Mariners, it's, it's just everybody does this. If you already know the player is going to leave one way or the other, you might as well get something back and start the rebuild a year before it would happen anyways because you can't keep this player or you're not going to keep this player. So you have no choice. It's either starting this year, or in in the A's case, it's either starting in 2022, the rebuild, or it's starting in 2023. If it starts in 2022 you have prospects that you receive from these players that you traded off in order to rebuild. And then in 2023, you have those prospects starting to come up. In 2024, more of those prospects are coming up and they're developing. And if you choose to start the rebuild in 2023 without getting anything from those players, guess what? You have no prospects you have nobody to replace them. You have nobody who looks like they ever could potentially replace them because you are plucking the two dried-up fruits from a dead prospect system, from a, from a dead farm. I'm not saying that the players that we had in the Ace Farm system are not good, by the way. I'm just saying that you don't have as much talent. You don't you're not going to be able to fill a team out in the same way. So, no slight to the A's. 
many of our players in our farm system, even before these trades, were pretty good. But we didn't have the depth that we want, that everyone wants, that other teams had, had, have. Some of them have gotten called up. Some of them have come to the A's. So now we do have a huge amount of depth and a really strong farm system because of these trades, because of the rebuild that we started. Now, with all that said, I'm hoping that you're thinking even people who maybe previously would have thought, man, we need to keep our guys because now we suck. Well, maybe now, hopefully now you're thinking, maybe it was the right move to trade off some of those guys. Maybe keeping them would have only helped us for a year or two because what if we can what if we can only sign two of them what if we could sign Matt Olson and Sean Murphy to a long-term contract but then we lose everybody else Canna's gone Chapman's gone we maybe we signed Chris Bassett and then we lose Manaya Montas you know we we lose uh Deekman and and you know what 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 do we have then we have half a team half a team loses you need a whole team you know what what happened with i'm going to i'm going to sling some more mud throw some more rocks in a glass house uh what happened with the rangers this last year in 2022 they did not do a rebuild in 2021 or 2020, they were not good, but they had a bunch of money on the books and they didn't wait for it to get off. Instead, what did they do? They spent on a couple free agents. And what did they do as a team? They were bad. They were barely better than the A's. The, between the Rangers and the Angels last year, I got to a point where I started thinking the A's might not be the worst team in the AL West on a year in which we had, I think, the smallest budget, maybe the second smallest budget in all of baseball. The A's might not be the worst team. The Angels were spending like 200 plus million dollars. The Rangers were spending like 150 or something like that. And they were both bad, and I. That's what happens when you don't rebuild. That's what happens. You get it. You get into this purgatory. It's it's just baseball purgatory, totally, where you can't climb out of it because you're already so bad. What are you gonna do? Cut everyone on your team? That's decent and then be even worse you're, you're going to set a record for the most losses in the season you can't do that you don't want to be associated with that in the first place as a as a manager as a gm as an owner you're not you're not you don't want to do it you're going to cut everyone you know and it's just it's horrible and it's not going to happen right you at least it, you don't want it to happen and so then 
what's the alternative though? You're stuck with guys that you're paying fifteen, twenty million dollars a year for average play that you could get for nothing. So maybe you should cut them technically. But I don't know, it's purgatory. I'm telling you it's purgatory when you when you refuse to do a rebuild and you spend thirty, forty million dollars a year that you don't need to spend on having a bad team. You can have a bad team for free. You can not make the playoffs for free. You don't need to spend $150 million to not make the playoffs. Why don't you save that money and then make the playoffs by spending that money in three years, two years? Save it up and spend, instead of $150 million, spend $170 million because you saved $60 million over two years. And then on the third year, you can spend an extra $20 million. And then on the fourth year, you can spend an extra $20 million. And then you break even. Some teams do that. Some teams don't. Some teams don't spend the extra money, but they still manage to do well because they make good trades from their good players. <sighs> Moral of the story, you have to rebuild at some point, unless you are the Yankees or the Dodgers or, right now, the Mets or the Padres. Every other team has to rebuild. The Giants had to rebuild. You name it, they've had to do a rebuild in recent years, in the last 20 years, at some point. And the only reason that the Mets and the Padres are spending this money that they're spending right now, you know, when you see this, don't think to yourself, oh, see, they're spending that much money. That means anyone could do it. We could do it too. The Padres are a small market team. You know, they're they're spending this money. Why aren't the A's? Why... Why aren't the Mariners? Why aren't whatever the the Reds, the Cleveland Guardians, the Rays? What? Well, the reason that the Padres are spending this money in the first place is because their owner recovered from, I believe, what I've seen, his third bout of cancer, and it seems like he just decided that, you know, I'm going to spend some money on this team. I want to win before my time. Time comes for us all. And he has said, I think, from what I've seen on an interview, I think what he said was, not a direct quote, but more of a paraphrase, you can't take it with you. I realized that. So that's that's what he said and what does that tell you about his spending on the Padres? It is a, over the long term, he would run out of money if he just continued doing this. That's what it tells you. It tells you that he's burning money to be spending money like this. Nobody else in the league is going to do that. It's not an example of this is what my owner can do. When you look at the Mets, Steve Cohen, the owner of the Mets, the new owner of the Mets, he is... He he makes all of the other owners look like peasants, alright? 
he can buy at least half of the National League. <laughs> I mean, how how is he spending this money? Well, I'll tell you directly. He is covering for the losses that the Mets are having right now with all of his spending. He's covering for those losses with the money that he's making in the stock market, which is his day job. That's right. He's not just a rich guy dumping his money into the team. The team's not so wealthy that it's paying for itself. He is making so much money on the side that he can spend it all on the team and basically break even every year. I guarantee you, it's not a long-term thing. He's not going to just continue to spend one or two hundred million dollars of his own money, however much it is, of his own money every year out of his pocket. As soon as he has a couple of bad years in the investment world, he's not going to continue covering for the losses of his baseball team. He's He also is just doing this because he has been a lifelong Mets fan, a child a childhood fan of the Mets, which also means that he is he is doing more, he is going further with his desire to win than most owners, I think as well, because it's not just about the pride of being an owner and this and that, you know, it's he just as a Mets fan wants to win and the fact is most team owners are not necessarily big time fans of they didn't grow up as a child being big time fans of that team a baseball team only comes up for sale very rarely once every 10 20 years something that's not very often so if you are in the market for buying a baseball team you might just want to buy one when it comes up. It might not be your childhood favorite team. You might just have to buy the one available to you. Now, let's talk about the A's rebuild, the current A's rebuild, just a little bit. Because I don't want to talk your ear off about this forever. So, who do I think on the current roster is going to be around for a long time? And who is just short-term roster filler, in other words, give us some depth for now, and potentially trade bait. Who who do we have where we are hoping that may, maybe this guy isn't going to be around a long time, maybe not years, multi-years, but if he has a good year, maybe a good two years, maybe we trade him off and get another prospect back or some major leaguer who we hope can develop a little bit more, maybe a guy who is undervalued by some other team, a reliever, maybe, who is decent. You know, you need relievers who are who are good, and then you can also have some relievers who are decent to sort of fill in taking innings and things, but you want your decent relievers to at least be pretty good still, too. You don't want any bad players on your team ideally but who are who are these guys anyway which player is going to be going to stick around and so forth well 
I think that all of the prospects that we got are guys that are going to stick around and maybe they will not be on the team long term if they are not successful in their major league development. But I do not think that the intention for these guys is for them to be here short term or for them to be traded off because in most or all of their cases, we have quite a bit of team control. Let's name some names. We've got Nick Allen, Jonah Bride, some minor leaguers who haven't come up yet, Tyler Soderstrom, Zach Geloff, and plenty of other guys down there who still haven't come up. And then we've got Shea Langoliers. He is definitely factoring in to be a part of the future, ideally. And we got guys that we just got, like Asturi Ruiz. We've got guys who, on the on the pitching side, we're hoping to have them stick around and become major pieces long-term. Ken Waldachuk, Kyle Muller, and plenty, plenty of these other young guys that we got in the trades. Recurring theme, guys that we got in the trades from our rebuild. We want them to be our major pieces going forward as part of our rebuild. Who is short-term filler to keep our team competitive and prevent us from having another 100-loss season in the meantime while we wait for some of these young guys to mature and and get a little bit of major league experience? Those short-term guys are the guys that we just signed this offseason in a lot of cases, like Aledmus Diaz, Chase Peterson, Trevor May, potentially Fuji, Drew Rosinski, Manny Pena, and that there might be one or two that I am missing in there, but those are essentially the guys that we are probably thinking of right now as short-term filler, guys who are at least going to be decent, potentially pretty good, and they will make sure there's a team. They will help our young guys to develop. And they will provide us stability, consistency, and hopefully a higher floor. In other words, no 100-loss season. And then you've got the trade bait. Sorry if that's not a very nice term, but... Uh, from the A's perspective, that's that's what that's what some of the guys that we have are, and that's what we want them to be because we want some pieces back for some guys that don't fit into our long-term plan. Who who might some of those guys be? Well, maybe Ramon Laureano, who we would have to sign to a long-term contract or to some some sort of contract before the A's would be competitive. And how much is he going to want? Is he going to be worth it for the A's to pay that much at that point in time? I don't know. Who else might be trade bait? Fuji. He could be trade bait. Rasinski. He, you know, I I mentioned these guys as short-term filler. They are, but we have a lot of depth at at the starting pitching position right now. And maybe that means that these guys are also trade bait. Maybe they're 
filling in a couple of roles here. Maybe maybe some of the older guys that we've got that have more service time are also trade bait. It could that could mean Paul Blackburn, Cole Irvin, James Caprellian, some some of these pitchers that have been around the A's a little while, but we also don't want to get rid of everybody and have nobody with any experience, of course, right? Similar for Seth Brown. He's great as short-term filler and as potential trade bait, depending on how good he does. Because the service time, the length of time that we've already had these guys in the majors, and how quickly they're going to be free agents in some of these cases, as much as we might want to keep some of these guys on, their timeline might not match up with the A's timeline very well. And in those cases, it sort of means, you know, just like when you're doing a rebuild for the reasons that the A's have done a rebuild, maybe that means that you want to get something back for these guys instead of just watching them walk off the season before you're going to be really good. So, and and some of these guys, like, I, like I've alluded to just now, they sort of fill in multiple roles. Like, Seth Brown is great as short-term filler. And he also is, if he is potentially good trade bait, even better if he has a great year in 2023. Same for some of our pitchers, Shintaro Fujinami, Fuji. Great as short-term filler to give us a good floor and put out some good performances in his Major League debut. However, if he's doing fantastic and the A's as a whole are not doing fantastic, we only have him for one year, so he definitely does not line up with the A's long-term timeline. Maybe that means that he's a good trade candidate, good trade bait. So that's sort of the role that a lot of these different guys fill in. Some of them are prospects for the future, long, long-term long goals for the A's that might might work out and might not. And some of them our short-term filler. The strongest examples of, of this are probably Jace Peterson and Aledmus Diaz, who are good players and should give us league average or slightly better performances, which is a huge upgrade to what we had last year as a whole from positions that they're going to be filling in. But the contracts that we signed them for exclude them from the timeline for the A's success. And that would necessitate, if we wanted them to be a part of our successful years, for them to get contract extensions and things like that that would keep them around longer. And they might drop off a little bit in that time frame. They might demand more money in that time frame, we don't really know. Well, I think that is quite the episode, quite the episode so far. I'm probably going to stop it there. I can rant for a long time on a subject like this, 
but I think I've said everything important. I think I've I think I've got my point across. I think I have probably beaten this horse to death. If you didn't get it by now, the A's doing a rebuild is the right thing because it means that we can rise from the ashes with vigor and strength and be good when we try to be good instead of being mediocre like the Rangers and the Angels. I'd rather have two bad years and then four good years making the postseason for three out of four of the good years than have six mediocre years where we don't make the playoffs at all in those six years. So just keep that keep that in mind. What would you rather have out of those two situations? Well, that's all for today. I hope you guys have a great week. See you again on Thursday. Thanks for tuning in. Have a good day.